Hey guys, Cable here, and this week's podcast is proudly brought to you by Pyro Putty. This is a product that uh, I'm very excited about as far as reinventing the wheel when it comes to fire starting technology. You can get Pyro Putty wet, it's still going to light. You can attach it to a wet log, it's going to burn long enough to start a fire on that wet wood. So when it comes to boosting morale in the backcountry, what, what is better than a a warm fire, right? There's nothing. You get home from a long day, back to camp. You've been chasing elk through the mountains or mule deer or whatever for you know, from sun up to sundown. You're cold and you're wet, and you can't get a fire started. Not because you don't have a fire starter, but because that fire starter doesn't do the job. Pyro Putty does, and you can find it at pyroputty.com. It's a size of about a can of dip. That's all it is. And inside that can of dip, you got a seven-hour burn time. You put a, a piece the size of a nickel on a stick, and it's going to burn for 8 to 10 minutes. It's Pyro Putty. You need it in your backcountry kit. It's going to boost morale. Could save your life. You never know. Uh, but you can find it at pyroputty.com. Welcome everybody to the Lone Star Outdoor Show powered by Dallas Safari Club. Little Parker McCollum, lonesome 10 miles to kick things off for us today. Man, it is great to be here talking hunting, fishing, the great outdoors and all that implies with you fine folks. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Truly do appreciate it. Um, thanks to Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris as well, our longtime presenting sponsors. And we've got... Uh, We've got an interesting show lined up for you today. Something a little bit different, that's for sure. So you know what to do by now. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat-up old thermos, the one granddaddy passed down to you years ago, because we are ready to rock and roll. And I've got three very interesting guests in their own right who will be joining the show today in a roundtable or campfire discussion, if you will. And this discussion was recorded last week at Nilgai Camp, deep in the heart of the Rio Grande Valley in the southernmost tip of Texas, the most unforgiving brush country the Lone Star State has to offer. And uh, I was in camp with Nilgai, longtime outfitter, uh, Linda Laxton of L&L Hunting Services, been doing this 25 years, and also Kevin Harlander, the community manager for First Light was there, and, uh, and photographer Andrew Miller. And we set this thing up so that First Light could get um, some, some great photography, some images of new stuff they've got coming out, and, uh, and some uh, you know of our favorite pieces that have been out for a long time as well. But uh, they don't really have a lot of stuff from the Texas brush country, but they're making a uh, obviously a concerted effort to reach the whitetail hunter and so you know last year y'all saw me wearing the uh, the catalyst system um in the whitetail woods they've got a bunch of new stuff coming out which we're getting way ahead of ourselves here but anyway uh first light came down and so it was great being there in camp with lindell and then of course uh kevin and andrew as well and we had a funny discussion uh full of highs and lows Boy, did we ride the emotional roller coaster that can be hunting 
sometimes. That's just the way it goes. We've all been there. Uh, and I do want to, real quick while I'm thinking about it, thank Clint and Nancy Devries for having us, hosting us at the Willamar Lodge in uh, South Texas down there, Raymondville. Uh, the food was amazing. The amenities were uh, perfect. It was just uh, truly, a, it was a homely experience with great conversation. And like I said, whew, the food was spot on. So if you're ever in that part of the world, uh, Wallace County, Texas, check out the Willamar Lodge. Uh, also, at the end of the broadcast today, the last segment will focus on something that I've never really shed any light on. Uh, but folks often ask me, hey, how do you get to go on all of these hunts? How do you get to do this for a living? Um, from Africa to Canada and everywhere in between, I've been blessed to see a lot of places and, and hunt a lot of cool critters, delicious critters. And there is no trust fund. Uh, my, my parents took care of me, but there is not, I know, I don't have deep pockets to be able to uh, afford to do all of these things, especially with three kids. You know, so we do okay between Aaron and I. Uh, so how does how do these hunts take place? Uh, we'll talk about that at the end of the broadcast, and not something I really thought people were interested in, but I've had quite a few ask about it. So hell, uh, we'll talk about it, and so we'll get into that coming up here in just a bit. A couple other things to mention: one spot left. That is it. Only one spot left for Guns and Guitars Five. At Coons Canyon Ranch, June 27th through the 30th, Max Stalling and Mark David Manders will be there performing concerts on Friday and Saturday night. We'll be hanging out with them at the swimming pool, uh, the Pila Pool, you know, when we're not hunting. Hey, if, if you want to sit in the blind all day, you're looking for that trophy access, you're welcome to do that as well. They'll be rutting pretty hard and uh, moving throughout all hours of the day. It might get a little warm, though, uh, so you'll probably want to come take a dip in the Pila Pool. Uh, also, Heather Stalling will be there. Uh, Max is better half. She'll be playing the fiddle um, in the evenings as well. The whole thing is fully catered, food, alcohol, the whole nine yards. If you want more information, shoot me an email, LoneStarOutdoorsShow at gmail.com. It truly is one of my favorite weekends every year. Uh, Aaron's going to be coming again, joining me. We have a blast going down there. And I think there will be like uh, 13 guests total. So it's very intimate. And uh, truly uh, a one-of-a-kind experience. Um, let's do a quick giveaway. I've got, what do we got today? A box of Kent turkey loads. We'll throw in a box of waterfowl loads as well. And these are the uh, TK7 Penetrator Tungsten turkey loads. And then Kent Fast Steel 2.0. So, for your chance to win, email the word Nilguy. That's Nilguy. And you have to spell it right, so you better sort that out. But uh, email nilguy to lonestaroutdoorshow at gmail.com. We'll get you entered into today's Kent Cartridge giveaway. Let's take a break. Up next, it's a roundtable discussion with Kevin Harlander from First Light, photographer Andrew Miller, and longtime outfitter Linda Laxton right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. I hear the crackle of a campfire. You're howling at the moon. We all know that you gotta go, but does it have to be so soon? 
Hey y'all, spring is here, and that means a lot of things, but specifically, your lawn is about to become your own worst nightmare. That's why I use JC's Landscaping. They do everything from lawn and landscape maintenance to fertilization and weed control. New premium sod installations. Hey, you need a French drain? I had to have them put in a French drain a couple years ago. They do that too. Landscaping updates, makeovers, stone borders, patios, and much more. Serving the North Dallas and surrounding areas, you can find them at jclandscapingllc.com and tell them cable sent you. Gable Smith, welcoming everybody back to the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. Is the Drake Hayes Band Blood Red Moon the name of that one? Uh, thanks to Lone Star Beer and Hoff Town Polaris as well. More importantly, thanks to you guys and gals for being here today. I appreciate each and every one of you, no doubt about that. We're about to dive into this week's discussion. We've got a great group, uh, a nice round table. Um, I was in Nil Guy Camp in deep South Texas last week in the uh, Rio Grande Valley. A part of the world that I had never hunted in. You know, I've hunted like Webb County, the Golden Triangle, that area of the world, but never as far south. I mean, this was an eight-and-a-half-hour haul from North Texas to get down there. And uh, it was truly a sportsman's paradise. No no doubt about that. And we had a great group in camp. Um, we were outfitted by Linda Laxton of L&L Hunting Services. Uh, also, Kevin Harlander, the community manager from First Light came down with some new gear for us to, to try out uh, to see if it stood up in the South Texas brush that, you know, where everything can poke you, bite you, stick you. I mean, it's unforgiving. Uh, and then photographer Andrew Miller came down from Colorado. So uh, we had a great group in camp, and we're going to take a listen to that roundtable discussion. That will be this week's show here momentarily. I think you're going to enjoy it. It was certainly um, one that, I had a lot of fun recording uh, with these guys, and we talked about a lot of stuff. Um, but before we do that, this segment is brought to you by one of the items we had a chance to test out. It is the Sawbuck Pant. And let me tell you, these things are rugged, but they're also breathable. Um, they've got like a reinforced bottom two-thirds that I think are great for upland hunting or anyone that's trudging through... South Texas uh, brush country, and uh, they are actually they're available right now. They just launched online this week. You can find the Sawbuck right there at FirstLight.com. I highly recommend you do so. Uh, I was very impressed with this piece. First Light, go further, stay longer. Well, let's go ahead and uh, take a listen to what I think y'all will find to be an interesting discussion with First Light Community Manager Kevin Harlander, uh, longtime outfitter Linda Laxton, and photographer Andrew Miller. We had a great group in camp. Uh, the bourbon was flowing and <laughs> made for some good laughs and great stories as we recapped our experience deep in the South Texas brush. We are at Nilgai Camp in deep South Texas at the Willamar Lodge, hunting with Linda Laxton, longtime Nil guy outfitter also good friend kevin the new community manager from first light 
and photographer, Andrew. Howdy. Howdy, howdy. Hey, how's it going? It's hey. great to be here. Glad to have, well, glad to be, usually I say glad to have you guys, but no, we're all here together, well, so that's it's right. great to be in camp <laughs> with you. Here. It is. Nice yeah. to be in camp. And uh, we're going to get to know everyone a little bit before we dive into the depths of today's conversation. But first, uh, let's start with Lindell. He is the old man here. He's sitting in a rocking chair, you know, fittingly. Uh, s- pretty spry for 63 years old. I'd say. I think he could out-hike me, no doubt about mm-hmm. that. Uh, Lindell, you've been doing this a long time. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. And, you know, how did you get suckered into chasing these blue devils through the, the thickest brush Texas has to offer? You've been doing it a long time, so and you still have just as much passion today I think as you probably did on the first day, as evidenced by who found the bull. <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess I started hunting these guys back in the 80s. I happened to see one on the wall in the taxidermist place in Victoria, Texas. Uh-huh. And something about it just looked unique. And uh, being hunting, I started hunting in West Texas, which all we have is just whitetail, mule deer, javelina, those things. So the chance to hunt a bigger game than whitetail excited me. So I asked around and found out that uh, down around Raymondville, there's a ranch, was uh, El South Ranch is actually where I first started. And the outfitter was from West Texas also, so we kind of hit it off. And he gave me a chance to do some guiding, and I was already running some guided hunts in West Texas for whitetail. So just kind of, I had a small clientele. He uh, he let me sell a few on the sides, and then that was back in the 80s, and then we just kind of blossomed from there. And from the very first time I put one on the ground till today, it's always been thrilling to just to finally get one on the ground since it's a challenge from the get to the finish. It's just, they're amazing animals to hunt. Would you say they're harder to hunt than a South Texas whitetail? Oh, before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think we figured that out today. <laughs> <laughs> my whitetail hunting is my vacation time. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, you certainly weren't on vacation yeah, today. Yeah. Turkey oh. hunting, whitetail hunting, vacation. <laughs> All right, Andrew, your turn, man. Let's get to know you a little bit. Yeah. You're from, uh, I think, like Missouri mm-hmm. originally. Yep. And then you've been all over Texas, Santa Fe, yep. cool places. And now nomad. in Denver, tell us a little bit about yourself. For uh, sure. What you do for a living. Obviously, you're here photographing us. And, yeah. And I know also over the past couple of years really have developed a passion for big game hunting. Absolutely. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a full-time freelance photographer, so – I predominantly work in the outdoor industry, so hunting, fishing, camping, uh, pretty much anything in the outdoors, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll photograph it. Um, but yeah, a couple of years ago, I uh, just kind of found myself interested in um, what it would take to, to kind of learn the basics of hunting, and so I went through kind of the starter stuff, Hunter's Ed, Hunter's Ed and kind of got all that out of the way, and uh, found somebody that was willing to kind of let me tag along and ask a lot of questions and probably be pretty annoying for the first couple of hunts and learned a lot. Um, There's no stupid question. I think pe- yeah. people get intimidated by like, especially on social media. What yeah. if I ask this question? Yeah, right. And, exactly. and hunters need to do a better job of, Hey, there's no, we were all there at one time. I told mm-hmm. y'all, uh, I grew up bass fishing. I, I, I couldn't tell you a mallard duck from a pintail sure. and I'm out there hunting, shooting ducks, you know, right, but right. how do you yeah. learn unless, Especially well, if you're def- doing it by yourself. I know you're self-taught for yeah. the most part. Yeah, and that, that's kind of what was key for me was I'm like an experiential learner. So I, you can only learn so much from books and YouTube before you got to get out there and 
and, and do it and ask mm -hmm. some questions and probably make a few mistakes and things like that. So that's kind of where I've been for the last couple of years, got into waterfowling two years ago too. And so, um, yeah, I still don't know <laughs> all, all the ducks, <laughs> right, right, all that stuff, but I love being out there and, and he's over here name dropping Jim Ronquist that he got to go. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving, stuck with yeah. Jim I Ronquist. Get, I did get pretty lucky there. That that's one of the perks of, of being a photographer and working with cool brands that let you go do cool things is sometimes you find yourself in situations you definitely don't yeah. deserve, <laughs> deserve to be in like opening day and stuck guard with jim wonquist is pretty cool um, yeah, that's awesome. but yeah i mean even even people like him that have been you know super gracious and showing me the ropes a little bit and mm -hmm. yeah just picking things up here and there it's it's been a, a cool ride so yeah this year i'm hoping to fill some fill some tags myself instead of just being behind the lens mm. hopefully switch things up and get behind the gun yeah, so, uh, mule deer, elk. What are you gonna be after? Yeah, I put in for mule deer, elk, and pronghorn in Colorado. Awesome, this nice, year. awesome. So, yep. Kevin, your turn. You are. You have. Let's just get it out there. Uh, replacing Cal at first light. You got some big shoes to fill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is that is very true. Um, they they kind of took a, a bunch of Cal's roles and sort of split them up from some folks. So I'm gonna be running uh, our guide and outfitter program, uh -huh. working with our influencers and ambassadors and. And the title itself is called Community Manager, so that kind of encompasses the sort of work I'll be doing. But, um, yeah, working for a great company and a great crew, and, yeah, it's fun to be down here, too. This is part of my gig, which is which is a pretty awesome job, you know. Getting right. Little, Originally from the Midwest. Yeah, grew up in Minnesota and uh, made my way out to Oregon when I was about 19 or 20 to fight wildland fire and uh, never really left. You know, I just kind of got um, stuck out there, so to speak, and, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I've really enjoyed you know learning from a lot of folks we were just talking about that you know getting the, getting that breaking down that barrier to entry for folks is something that i was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to hunt with guys that really knew what they were doing and, and taught me a lot quickly so i think that's a good responsibility for us is not only just as a company at first light to help break down that barrier but um you know us as an industry it's, it's important to get new folks in and and uh it helps everybody involved so well yeah but first light didn't just say let's you know what Let's hire this firefighter from Oregon. So right. I think there was, I think you skipped some stuff. Yeah, that sure you did. did. In the yeah. meantime, so I've I've done a lot of work in creative management and then also in in business and marketing. So I ran the marketing and sales for a brewery in Eastern Oregon for a bunch of time, and have done a lot of projects with Con Outdoors, and have sort of dipped my toe into the outdoor industry. And from a business side, I've always been um, working in it, so to speak, um, and, and hunting and fishing my way through. But what really kind of took me, uh, you know, I was always hesitant to get into the industry because I love it so much, right? Mm -hmm. I, I love hunting elk more than anything in the world, probably. Um, so I was... Don't mix work and play. Yeah, you know, they say that, right? But I'm yeah. having the time of my life now, <laughs> yeah. and I, I can't complain. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a great, great role, and, and uh, I think... But you got elk hunts in Oregon. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I failed to mention that, too. We we got it some elk hunts for the last couple of years and um, had some good success with the, with the, with the bow, um, and, uh, yeah, it's just kind of translated, you know, it's, it's interesting to learn how to guide to, to sort of let the clients and the folks you're hunting with shape the experience. And that sort of sh has shaped what I'm going to try to do at first light too, is we're, we're trying to talk to a lot of different kinds of people. Mm -hmm. Um, so listening and, and being part of this community is something that, uh, we're going to have to learn how to do better every day. And uh, yeah, it's a great spot. Well, and folks like Lindell, who, yeah. you know, down here in South Texas, I mean, he didn't even know what first light was and let right. oh, yeah he's hey. not like plugged into podcasts and yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah lindell is on social media 
LL Hunt on Instagram. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Reposted but, you know, he, some stuff he today. said, well, is this stuff going to hold up to my cooey? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. And, and, that's, and Lindell, what did, you, what did you think? Your first impression of the first light stuff that you wore on this hunt? I thought it's uh, the camo concealment looked really great. Huh? We, I guess it proved itself today. We were able to stalk in on a really big bull at 65 yards. Yeah. And right. You just can't do that if you ain't got the right concealment. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's something they've been working on a long time. Um, you know, we started with fusion and and as a pattern, and have sort of evolved to this cipher pattern. And um, it's got this great connotation with what I think of it when I think of the Southwest. What's different here is it's so green right now, right? Uh, it, it's, uh, apparently, it looks green to me. Oh, it's uh, green. Yeah, <clears throat> it's green. But I noticed today that it's still blended in. Yeah, perfect. I mean, it's almost as if it's going to be the spring, the fall, and the winter i mean every season we go through we start doing our main hunts in november right and it's even green then we don't have a whole lot of dark colors it doesn't get brown that often down here you're going to go from green to brown springing back out to green. yeah right right right. yeah but the camo looked great that's awesome yeah and the thing that i noticed today anyway was just that you know we were hunting in 85 to 90 degree weather and it was morning mid-morning so that uh, merino wool component of, of our tops and, and uh, the stuff we're wearing as a base layer just it allowed us to stay out there longer. Um, oh, yeah. When we were, we were out there all day today and, and sweating hard, and um, that's a shirt I'd put on again tomorrow. So Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about the history of Nil Guy in Texas. Some of our listeners might not know what a Nil Guy is. Uh, the majority of Texans at least know what it is, more than likely. Uh, they've probably never seen one though, to be honest with you. Uh, they are native to India. They're, I think, India's largest antelope. And, and Lindell told us earlier, the second largest antelope in the world, I think, after the eland. Yeah, correct. And these animals were brought to Texas. I, and Clint was telling us, uh, the legend is Valentino and Valentina. These two, Neil Guy, were brought here in the, like to the King Ranch in the 1930, like around 1930. Nice. And Valentina died. So they're looking for, oh, poor, lonely Valentino who's got no friends. And so (laughs) they called a zoo in California, I think San Diego Zoo, and had some shipped here. And that was about 1930. And they they continued to bring some more through, like, 1940. And the next thing you know, here we are, Lindell. And I don't know how many Hill guys we saw this week, but it it had to be four or 500. And we were only on a third of the property that that you have access to hunt there. Yeah, so, you know, the – the nail guy doesn't have any natural predators and they have twins the second time they breed. So you can just do the numbers. It doesn't take long for them just to blow <laughs> yeah, up. No yeah. And they, and they just love this habitat down here. It's perfect for them. Yeah. They've definitely thrived here over the last 60, 70 years. One interesting thing I, I thought, and this had nothing to do with the hunting of, of the animals. They crap in the same spot all the time. You're driving down the road or you're walking through the woods and they don't do it like in a secluded no, they do it like out in a like on a gravel road. We're gonna crap here and we're gonna crap here every time. Why do they do that? I have no question, no answer to that. But they do. They it's in the road most of the time. It doesn't have to be marking that their way. territory or. I think they're just that's a calling card. That's uh-huh. to let them know who's in town. I think it has more to do during the rut than it does anytime because you know they'll go anywhere. But I'm talking during, like a four or five foot diameter like pile of crap. Yes. I'm not just talking like a couple like they took two dumps there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's just the calling card. This is who's in town. You yeah. Know? 
Seen and wild horses. Black do that, buck do the same know? thing. Exactly. Like and India they're from thing. India also. Yeah. So, huh. yeah. It's crazy. So obviously, um, we set this hunt up. You guys came. You from Idaho, Denver, Lindell, obviously, down here. We tested out some new gear. We did. Uh, some of the stuff I, I don't even think is available yet. No, it'll be sawbuck pants. Uh, yeah, the sawbuck brush pants, man. I was really, really impressed on how those performed today because it is. It's nasty when you get into some of this country. <laughs> this is the place to test it out. Man, <laughs> it was uh, the mesquite. And what would you call those? It's like We said. Yeah, man. That cat was claws. The cat claws. You can't walk <laughs> anywhere without getting hooked up. And so basically this pant is like our corgate guide pant, but tougher. So it looks like an upland bird or upland bird hunting pant. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I was wearing snake boots up to the knee, and they tucked in really nicely here. Um, and really could I could crawl around when we were looking for stuff and, and get through and had no problem kind of getting getting through some of that country which you know some of the lighter uh breathable stuff you might say on the market would get pretty tore up i think in that country these uh, absolutely and mm-hmm. uh and these things still breathe too we you know like i said before it was 90 degrees and at the end of the day i was still you know pretty comfortable I mean, we're sweating yeah and sweating yeah. hard yeah was it 150 weight merino wool top the zip yeah um, yeah so that's the the kiln or the wick excuse me um and those things have been around for a little while but uh, that quarter zip's really sweet too, because it comes down nearly to your belly button. Not yep. not that quite that far, but close. And so you can air it out. And, and oh, and uh, I love this show, this hairy. Yeah, I have the dad bod yeah. right and there. Oh, it yeah. is. <laughs> Let it all hang out. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, it cooled down nicely. Certainly. Oh yeah. And and uh, I think that's going to be a good piece of gear for this specific environment because it's nice. Like we were talking about, when you're stalking these animals, it's it's better to not have any exposed skin, and and it's better to to be a little yeah. cool when you're doing it too. So yeah. Lindell, they have great eyesight because before Man. we came, you're like gloves, face masks. Just, I'm basically yeah. like your turkey hunting. Yeah. Yeah. So you, I think what uh, Kevin's going to do for me is help me come up with a list that we can send out to guys. Yeah. Because it's one of the things that happens to us a lot is people show up without the right camo uh-huh. or no camo at all. Right. <clears throat> and it just makes the job just so much harder. It just these guys you can come around the bush and they can be a quarter of a mile and they're looking right at you and you have no idea what's happening we to saw you. today that one bull that was in the road it's like crazy. 300 yards away he's yeah. like hmm i don't think that looks right Dad. and what's crazy too is we had the wind <laughs> yeah. you know we had, we had good wind like, no nope, i see you i'm out of here oh man that was something yeah i think i moved because i think wendell was like taking a leak or something like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know what a good bull is come over here and tell me when yeah, that's right you know uh, i think kevin's looked at a few more mountain goats than me and i kind of equate nil guy to mountain goats because you know like six seven inch horns i mean that's a kick-ass you know representation of a trophy yes. but for a guy that hasn't hunted i don't know the difference between a four and a six inch or an eight inch it all right. the same it's to me. tough especially at yardage too you know i can Even, tell a big white tail you could see today at least after a couple rotations through this spot and stock effort you could tell a, a big bull versus a small bull. And we talked a little bit about the body style, the body that's, type. Yeah, you know, that's the first thing you see is the body. Right. The hide was kind of a giveaway too, right? Yeah, so yeah like, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, big dark blue devils. But when you first get out here, for me, it was like, oh, I don't Yeah, I know. They all look great. <laughs> I thought yeah, it was an Africa. We were fortunate enough to see so many. So, you know, it's just like if you see 50, huh. 50 nail guy out there and you see one big one out of 50, then you kind of get an idea of what we're looking for. That helps a lot. And if you only right. see three or four, then it's really hard to judge. Yeah. yeah. Let's do this. Let's knock out a quick commercial break. We'll come back. And I want to get into how we kicked this hunt off. Uh, guy from 
the Midwest and then Pacific Northwest comes yeah. down here and literally smacks a hog in like the first five minutes of being here. So <laughs> we'll do that after the break. That segment brought to you by Dallas Safari Club, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. I'd like to invite you to get plugged in with this great group of folks who are passionate about three things. Hunter's rights, hunter advocacy, that means educating the ignorant on why we do what we do and how hunting is conservation. And of course, conservation itself. Check us out at biggame.org for more information. We'd love to have you. Hell, I'd love to have you. We'll be right back with more roundtable discussion on our South Texas Nil Guy hunt. You're listening to the Lone Star Outdoors Show. I cut me a cane pole. I'm going catfish fishing. I'm going catfish fishing. Hey, y'all. Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. the end of the season, it's a pretty good reason. Headed down south down to Laguna Madre Cruising over the causeway There's nobody here The coast is all clear It's my kind of day on Padre Larry Joe Taylor, my kind of day on Padre Bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show Cable Smith riding shotgun with you today Thanks for being here as we are talking all things South Texas, Nilgai hunting, damn near South Padre, by the way. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was humid. You could, one of those places where you couldn't see the ocean, but you could certainly feel it. Uh, where we were hunting was the Uteria Ranch. And I did a little research. I forgot to ask Lindell about this place uh, during our discussion. So I went back, and the Uteria was actually founded in 1853, I believe, uh, by Francisco Yaturia, a Mexican citizen from Matamoros, who would come to the United States, uh, to Texas. Actually, Texas wasn't even a state at the time, but uh, when he came here, he would make his fortune in the Lone Star State, uh, really post-Civil War, and he would befriend folks like the Kennedys and, and King Ranch founder Richard Kennedy, whom he founded a bank with uh, there near Raymondville, Texas, uh, one of the first banks in the lower Rio Grande Valley. Uh, so he made his fortune in a lot of different ways, but the Uteria was at its peak, uh, nearly 200,000 acres. And the, the portion we hunted still borders the King Ranch today. Uh, it was 16,000 acres, and the Uteria Ranch has been broken up, you know, as as Things happen with families. Uh, large parcels get divided up, sold off to kids, grandkids, and descendants. Uh, but quite a bit of that ranch is still within the family, uh, various descendants of Francisco Uteria. So there's a little historical background for you. This segment of the show, by the way, brought to you by Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas. And you know damn good and well that I took a cold cooler full of Lone Star and Lone Star Light down there to uh, South Texas so that uh, Kevin... 
and Andrew and myself could enjoy a few cold brewskis after a long day hunting in the South Texas brush. Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas. All right, well, let's get back into it. Our roundtable discussion with First Light's Kevin Harlander, uh, photographer Andrew Miller, and, of course, outfitter, longtime South Texas resident, Lyndall Laxton. He's been guiding Neil Guy hunts for over 30 years, and we'll resume that right now. Pleasure to be here around the virtual campfire with you. Yeah. And yeah, we talked a little bit, gave a little background of, of what we're doing down here, hunting Neil Guy, this Indian uh, antelope. And Kevin went on his way, he flew into San Antonio, went on his way down here, bought a hunting license. And we're like, Lindell's pretty sure we can, you know, Lindell's pretty sure we can get you on, on a hog. Right. Literally, I, I was, we were walking around 30 minutes and we're like, yeah, oh maybe. my God, there's a huge boar. Yeah. And I think three coyotes walked by. They're, you know, they you guys went got off some mangy coyotes in Texas. Mangy. Oh, my, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> but you guys yeah. got the big fur up. We do. Yeah. We do. Our pelts are worth negative dollars by the time. <laughs> you, if you were to tan them. Yeah, sure. And then actually try to, you know, you've lost money by it's it's kind of like yeah. shed hunting you know it's a negative investment <laughs> that's right that's right more on diesel in your yeah. own time than, yeah that's right yeah. so it was so lindell had gone back to the truck and it was actually andrew myself and kevin yeah and uh saw these coyotes walk by and then kevin was getting on his phone wasn't he andrew? yeah yeah i think we were just like taking some pictures and being kind of loud which was yeah. it was pretty rough. hilarious we were just yeah. you know kind of getting the lay of the land and mm-hmm. This whole trip has been so content-based. You know, sometimes you get lost and just stopping and putting that stuff away and just looking around a little yeah. bit. And I had seen what I thought was – I was like, the thing that made me think it was a hog was I'd seen the little round parts of his ears. Sure. But typically when these hogs are rooting around, they, they move. And he was still with his head down. So you can see his snout, and the brush is pretty high. I looked at him through the binos. I was like, ah, it can't be. Because what kind of hogs is going to stand there? So I lost interest, and I happened <laughs> to look back over – yeah, he kept like, hey, moving. Turn your phone off. Turn your phone off. <laughs> and then, and then Andrew saw me. He's like, he's running across the road. And then I handed you uh, the the uh, the rifle, which was which was Lindell's uh, three thirty eight rum. Yeah. And right. you shot him. It's a hell of a round, let me tell you. <laughs> and, a hell of a round. And then you shot him again. Yeah. And I mean, I think the thing that says it's a hell of a round is the the uh, scope mark on your forehead. Jeez, man. <laughs> Free-handed on my butt trying to trying to whack a He hog. thought he was going to get out of here with us without yeah. us talking That's about That's all right. That. Uh, you know, I'll wear that with pride because that was, that was a fun little situation there. But, man. Welcome to Texas. First hog. Yeah, it was yeah. awesome, man. And, and it's funny because we've raised hogs, you know, growing up. And, and Do they look like that one? In color a little bit sometimes, uh-huh. but definitely the way they move through the grass is different. I didn't – like it's one of those things where you see an animal for the first time you don't really recognize what the heck's going on out there. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting to, to put the crosshairs on them and, and pull the trigger and then and then get it done. And, man, I'm excited to try those back straps too. Oh, yeah. It's a nice-looking loin. So. It's going to make a nice European mount too. Yeah, beautiful <laughs> animal. That at First cool. Light Headquarters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That was cool, though. Well, I appreciate that. And what a place to do it too. It's a gorgeous it, it, country. You know, I hope we see tomorrow. I hope we see uh, some javelina because yeah. I, I don't. Have you seen javelina before? I have not. No. You know, I've really spent very little time. We we fought fire down in Arizona and New Mexico a little bit, but I've never really spent much time in Texas at all. Uh, so yeah, be interesting to see those critters. Yeah, they're pretty rad. They're quite a bit different than those feral hogs. They're yeah. quite a bit smaller and. Yeah, they're they're still real cool. What do they, Linda? What do they do when they get pissed off? They kind of like gnash their teeth. Yep, they start chomping, chomping, chomping out the bit. Huh. There's no sound like it really. In the, in no, uh, this it's kind of you when you go in, 
on a wounded nail guy looking for him going through there, and you'll hear something you start chopping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you look down and then they are. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely an interesting little critter. Hopefully we'll see one tomorrow. Um let's talk about the Neil guy as table fare. Like sure. coming from Idaho or yeah, I mean coming from Denver, me from North Texas even. I think I went to a a wild game feast like a decade ago and had a, a Neil guy uh chicken fried backstrap steak. Mm. Like man, this is really good, you know, really good. And people say it's as good as elk and axis deer. Uh, I'm, th- I think that's the thing that I'm most looking forward to uh, about ha- having a neil guy in the cooler. Uh, Lindell, what is what is the general consensus of of your hunters that come down here? You know, it seems like every year more and more hunters are coming down here just for the meat. Uh-huh. You know, they they take the trophy, they they enjoy that, but they're taking more and more meat back with them than what they used to. Hmm. You know, 10 years ago, I think that we would get a lot more meat at camp for us, which was great. You know, we all love it. Guys just uh, come in, smoke one, take the trophy back. and A lot of times that's what, what happened. But now the word's out, so we hardly get any scraps at all anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're talking to three guys who the, the, the concept of coming into camp and just shooting something and only taking the hide and the, the horns back is like so for like yeah, defeats pretty the whole purpose. You know? The trophy, to me, is in the experience. I am a trophy hunter. I love the horns. I love to put them on the wall. But that's all secondary compared to – the experience that I've shared with you guys. And then also sitting there with my, my wife and kids, my friends come over and watch the Dallas Cowboys football game in the fall. And I'll throw Neil guy backstrap. Maybe I made, I asked you to save me the shanks today. You're like, really? <laughs> what a pain in the rear. You're really? I was like, Oh, you don't understand. I'm going to braise these. They're going to be so good. You know, right. but that, that's what it, that's where it all culminates for me is like, this is the trophy is. And if, if the meat's as good as everyone says it is. Oh, it really is. It's just it's as good as beef, if not better. Yeah. You know, when we were breaking that animal down today, too, it reminds me a lot of an elk, just in color and structure and how big it is, too. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm I'm excited to try it. That's going to be Yeah, and a lot delicious. of people refer to it doesn't have any smell, which yeah. I've no. never really noticed, but it doesn't have any smell. Right. Well, I was doing a little research. It's a bovine species. So, you know, it's not a cow, but, you know, it's, it's, a, it's the only – species in its uh i'm not a biologist what is it uh genus phylum class i don't know whatever yeah, right. it is it's the only right. one in there it's like a mono species got it um but uh but yeah absolutely amazing table fare so how much do these things weigh uh between six and seven uh-huh so like like you yeah, said Kevin, like the size a, of an elk. right in that elk elk range certainly mm-hmm. yeah. yeah they carry a lot of their weight in their front though it's crazy very chest. very odd looking yeah like but but still like we we talked about this earlier like graceful yeah oh yeah when they move through the brush it's like yeah they almost kind of stutter step and they're they're when they're getting around that stuff it seems like they're pretty agile yeah. for such a big critter like you know? for example a giraffe is very front heavy too sure i would not say a giraffe is a graceful animal no, no, it's like a clumsy not. looking you know yeah. but not these yeah okay um what what would you say is a good bull like we were talking about, like I don't know how to judge one. On some ranches, a good bull is any bull, <laughs> right? Just, I mean, they are gamey. So if you have a place where you don't have a whole lot of bulls, it's just like a place where you don't have any big whitetail. Just getting a nail guy bull on the ground is a trophy. Mm-hmm. Where we're at, we're trying to get something in the SCI metal, bronze, silver, or gold is what we're looking for. Okay. And that's typically going to be a bull that's ten years or older, and he's going to weigh closer to six to seven than he is to three or four. 
and you do the circumference is going to be the uh, the length and the circumference is going to get you your two scores in, on each one so today yours looked like without measuring i would probably say around 33 or 34 so it really super bull wow that's awesome. okay yeah that's awesome and and uh obviously i'm just ecstatic that we actually got this bull on the ground um and that was a a journey in and of itself which we'll talk a little bit more about um in a second go back to the fact that you said these bulls can you you try to take them at 10 years of age well these white-tailed deer aren't living at 10 years of age you know these animals live older i think a lot of that has to do with look around the landscape there's nothing here that can kill those animals no they don't have any natural predators at all except for mother nature she and can you, come out us. here and she can, she can <laughs> the apex them predator, right? yeah yeah and <laughs> us of course but we just do all we can do just keep them in check uh-huh. you know we don't damage the uh the ecosystem you know we they're just from the fact that they have twins makes it hard to keep up with them uh-huh. and they just almost always make it so where we were hunting looked like some like reclaimed farmland like there were you know ag at some point there do these animals depredate on ag fields yes yes <laughs> yeah they're, I mean, they're, are they a nuisance to farmers mm-hmm, for sure okay big time so they, they appreciate what we're doing yes <laughs> <laughs> right right okay well we've kind of been building to this yeah to today's hunt this let's, epic let's do this let's take <laughs> one more break come back and let's let's break down what happened today because it was a uh it was a wild ride for some bad reasons, but it ultimately ended up in, I think, one a, a hunt that uh, all of us will remember, right? Oh, yeah. For sure. <laughs> okay. Put in a commercial break there. Guys, still great to be here talking South Texas. Neil Guy here at the Willamar Lodge in, where, where are we at? Raymondville, Texas? Yes, Raymondville. Outside of Raymondville, Texas. Uh, in the... I, this is this is the valley, right? The Rio Grande Valley. Yeah. So, so to put it into perspective, I've hunted in you know Whitetail in the, the Golden Triangle, like Webb County. That's like a six-hour haul. It's a good shot from the DFW area. Mm-hmm. This is like eight hours and fifteen minutes. So this was a Jeez. this was a commitment, you know. And I'm just like thinking about today when, well, we'll just put it out there. We couldn't find the bull for a good amount of time, and I told Kevin, I was like. This is a 17-hour round trip driving, and, <laughs> and it's still, you know, I think you can drive across most states in, in half of that. Oh, certainly. Uh, <laughs> but I was like, the thing that I'm most upset about is maybe I'm not going to be able to have any meat to take home. Mm-hmm. So backing up to this morning, um, I, we, we got out there around 6, what, 6.30 maybe? Yes. Right, first light. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, Started immediately seeing some bulls, and, and we we're walking through some pretty thick stuff. I mean, South Texas brush, and that's what that's where we're in. And Lindell has the uh, the knowledge of hunting this property for twenty something years. Says, "Hey, I know this is where probably they're going to be. I know that you know if we see them here, we can intercept them here." And I don't know how many animals we looked at, Lindell, but. I'd say it was, you know, 75, 100 this morning. Could have been, yep. Which they're they're more active in the evenings, actually. 
I think they're easier hunting in the afternoons because they got their head down more often. If you notice, everything we saw this morning was still kind of moving. Yeah, and they got their, you know, when they have their heads up, any little movement, I don't care what, how good our camel is, they can pick that up. Right. Yeah. The only thing the camel does for us is that that movement they see, then they just won't haul ass if it if it's not the right stuff. If it's right. the right stuff, they see something moving, they're going to stop and look and try to figure out what it is. Yeah. I've still set up on a on those things for over 20 minutes at a time, just waiting for them to lose interest of whatever they think they saw. But, uh, yeah, they have their heads up in the morning. In the afternoon, they got it down grazing, so it's a little bit easier in the afternoon. You mentioned they're kind of curious, and Kevin had that experience today when looking for our bull. He came across a younger bull, and I think you were just hoping and hoping you were going to see yeah, I've a been, bullet hole in that animal and never did. Yeah, but. yeah I've been, I was looking for, for that specific bull, and we were kind of, going through this brush and I came to this opening and, and there's this bull on the other side with his butt to me and I kind of crept up to the edge and, and he spun around and I think he might've winded me, but the wind was pretty swirly at that point. It's kind of that mid afternoon switch. Mm-hmm. And, um, he came closer to me and sort of, sort of barked like a cow elk does when they know something's up, but they're not really sure what he kept coming closer and closer and there's birds flying off of him. And Can was, you demo that for us? What what's he, that? What he sounded like? Oh, it was more like a, <laughs> a <laughs> little bit yeah and there, you know i was watching him in my binos and there's this sn- every time he did that there's just this snot and drool and all this stuff coming out of his nose really cool animal uh-huh. you know, really cool animal wow <sighs> back to this morning yeah keep getting back to it yeah this is the part of the the show that i've just been dreading talking about yeah it's kind of like getting scoped in the eye a little bit <laughs> yeah except way worse <laughs> i definitely would yeah. take the scope over what happened that's today right. but that's right so Lindell, you know, we see a group of bulls, and actually we we tried to cut them off in the road. That one saw us, then we just kept moving through the brush. You know, I think all these animals essentially were going back to their bedding area. Yes. Mm-hmm. They're moving from the, the, the fields where they've been feeding, moving back to their bedding area, and uh, we're just trying to intercept them in the thick stuff. And so I think, you know, Kevin might have seen a bull here, and, so we all crouched down. And I'll tell you one thing about Lindell is and, and it, he keeps you on your toes because he's in front, you know. <laughs> he's the guy, and, like, he's moving through the brush, and all of a sudden he just ducks down. Yeah. And every time he did that, I was like, oh, there's yeah. probably an animal there. <laughs> no, he was just ducking down to, like, get a better look. It's like, calculated, what yeah. What could be an animal there? And I'm like, trying to keep up this guy and he emulate t- what he's doing, you know. <laughs> Two tall Jones in the back. But he's been on that keto diet. <laughs> yeah, so that's he's, right. He's, he's, just he's flying, in good shape. <laughs> flying through that country, tiptoeing the cacti. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, so anyway, we finally, we, we get on a, a group, and they're in some thick stuff. And there's actually a little berm, which I didn't see many berms out here. But there was one right there today that really made perfect for, for you. And handy for us. Crawl up yeah. there. And you're like, okay, he's a good bull, a bull, and and he got the shooting sticks up. This is a thick, thick brush, and and Lindell's like, as soon as you have a clear shot, there's a little opening right there, and I'm talking like basketball size uh, kill zone. That's it, just a basketball size. Um, and you know, you told me before I asked you where do I aim on these things. I've heard they're hard as hell to kill, and that's why you recommend you know even bigger than a 300 win mag for this hunt. Sure. Yeah. So you said when you've when you've got him, you know, just let it let it rip. I think he was sixty five yards, and squeezed one off. It was this, you know, we're like, yeah, it was a thwack. Certainly sounded great. 
Sounded looked great. great. Looked and, great and through the binoculars. Yeah. You were watching through the binos. And, yes. And mm-hmm. He kind of rocked back, you know, and and took it. And uh, and I remember Lindell saying, well, he didn't go far after that shot. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. That didn't prove to be true. No. But it sounded good. And it felt good. And I told you, I was like, man, I, I really felt good about the shot. And for whatever reason, he wasn't dead. And, and what is the – everyone says how tough these animals are. Generally speaking, how far do you expect them to go on a good shot? A hard shot, they're still running 75 to 125 yards. And that's a hard shot. Uh-huh. They're just get and go. The only time they're ever going to fall down is you spine them. And then you got to go up there and put them out of their misery. But – if even if you hit them right, they're going to go. If you hit them just a little bit wrong, they're going to go twice as far. And uh, if you hit them just, you know, and if you just uh, four inches off, then they could be as much as 700 yards out. Yeah. And, and, and you were looking at the – Andrew was back at the truck. Um, and you said what, – what was the time when we shot this morning? Yeah, I mean, it was right about 8.04, 8.05. Okay. Yeah, still pretty early. Yeah. So that's when the shot happened. We go up, we don't find blood. Lindell's looking for like distress. You guys both, you know, looking for distress track marks. Mm-hmm. And we did. We found yeah, we found right away just some some heavy, heavy, uh, heavy footsteps. You might say. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're the actual shooter, you get you get removed from that. It's it's hard to. Oh, you black out completely. You, you're re, all I think <laughs> is I'm replaying a shot in my head yeah, over yeah. and over again. How did I screw this up? Where's the animal? Yeah. Lindell said. He didn't go far. I'm thinking, yeah. where's the animal? You know, and yeah, and uh, yeah, and, the, and you're mo- emotionally oh, invested more so than someone because you've been, you know, well, you're the we've worst all been on both ends of it. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, you're the you're your own worst witness at that point because you're so locked into what you're trying to accomplish that you almost will yourself to see what you want to happen. Yeah, um, that happens in whether you're elk hunting, duck hunting, nil guy hunting, you know, whatever it is, it happens all the time. So we walk around probably for an hour and and you know. I guess you went and got Andrew. He comes yes. back. <clears throat> Thank God, because yeah. he actually found the first blood, right. which we all thought at the time looked like, hey, this looks good blood. You know, That was bubbly. I thought immediately, this animal, we're going to find him pretty quick. And it, the weird thing was that he had gone to our left and then come back towards us, and we didn't even look in that direction. We thought he went just kept going to the left, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so we find blood, and I don't know, would it go for – 50, 75 yards, maybe more. Yeah, it looked like it was going to pan out. Yeah. Yeah. And got faint there towards the end a little bit, but. And then picked it back up like yeah. another 100 yards past yeah. that. Kept yeah. jumping. Yeah, which for a uh, cameraman, I'd say he's got a pretty good eye. For he does. Tracking. Man, I got to keep him around. <laughs> I got lucky I was on my way back to the truck because I was picking the quit. You don't have to say that. The hardest part, <laughs> you know, within the, the first section of this sort of uh, recovery process is there's just so many animals around and so many heavy trod trails that it's really impossible to, to pick up a single track. Mm-hmm. So that's why that, that blood trailing obviously is super, super important, but it sounded like they don't bleed that much often. No, <clears throat> that's one of the big problems. We don't have an exit wound yeah. without the exit wound. And it's just very, you know, if he's hit in the lungs, then he's going to blow stuff out. Yep. A lot of times we more have to catch it up on the tree limbs where he's hit, where he right. drags through there. We found most of this stuff on the ground. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, tall animal. Absolutely big, tall, tough sons of guns make their home in the most unforgiving habitat South Texas has to offer. Let's table this discussion, take a quick break. When we come back, 
We'll talk about the other means that we attempted to use in trying to find this damn thing. Uh, and you know, at this point, I'm just absolutely heartbroken. But uh, there's a happy ending, no doubt about that. And we'll discuss how all of that played out after the break. That segment brought to you by All Seasons Feeders and Blinds. If you're trying to feed those crappie, those bass, those catfish that you've stocked in your pond, well, you know what you need to do. You need the damn fish feeder. You put it on your damn dam, and you feed your damn fish. That's right. It's the damn fish feeder, and you can find it at allseasonsfeeders.com. Don't you dare touch that damn dial. Things are heating up after the break right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Behind the house where I lived, back when I was a kid. I played G.I. Joe beneath the tall pine tree And I'd fight imaginary wars Till my mom called from our back porch And I'd come home covered in that pine pitch From my head down to my knees In the market for a compact track loader? Then check out the Bobcat Advantage Where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands In a variety of tests and challenges Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat Compact Track Loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of Dallas and Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, and now McKinney. Visit BobcatOfDallas.com or call 469-586-0000. I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari Club, one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails Magazine, a monthly newsletter, and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club, an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. For more information, call 800-9-GO-HUNT or visit our website at www.biggame.org. Hey, this is Jamie Richards. Thank you for listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. At the Holiday Inn in Dallas, one-off LBJ You can see the sign from the freeway Exit 19A At the end of the hall on the top floor Overlooking the pool three. As a good friend, Mr. Jamie Richards Don't try to find me The name of that one bringing us back On the Lone Star Outdoors Show Powered by Dallas Safari Club A special thanks to our presenting sponsors Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris as well and thanks to each and every one of you for being here by the dial today. Do appreciate that very much. We've still got uh, our round table going here. <laughs> uh, I shot a nail guy bull down in South Texas. And I think we're about four or five hours into trying to track this thing down. We're going to pick that story back up momentarily. But first, this segment brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy. And y'all know there's a happy ending to this story, right? Okay, there is. That nil guy bull, I dropped him off at Rustic Reminders. And Josh and Becky are going to do, uh, I think, a wall pedestal for me on that bad boy. They've been doing all of my taxidermy for eight, nine years. God, don't even remember. It's been a long time. They do amazing work with quick turnaround time, and they answer the phone when you call. You don't have to chase your taxidermist down anymore. Not with Rustic Reminders. Check them out at gr8mounts.com. That's gr8mounts.com. Okie dokie. Uh, well, like I said, 8 o'clock. Shot this nil guy bull about 8 a.m. deep in the South Texas brush country all the way down on the historic Euturia Ranch outside of Raymondville. And by 10 o'clock, I'm getting a little nervous. By noon, 
starting to feel sorry for myself. Not going to lie. You know, that's human nature, right? Even if I'm the one and I am the one uh, who pulled the trigger and made a marginal shot. So I think a lot of good shots turn into marginal shots on these animals, though, to be honest with you. Um, but, uh, we, we did the three D's. Um, we tried to call dogs, no avail. We tried a drone, uh, uh-uh. didn't work. And then, uh, it was down to sheer determination. And that's where we're going to pick it back up. Let's jump back into our talk here with, uh, Kevin Harlander of first light outfitter, Lyndall Laxton of L and L hunting services and photographer, Andrew Miller. And we'll jump back into it now. So. This goes on. Finally yeah. lose the, the the blood trail, and it's like getting close to noon, 1 o'clock. We're like, you know what? Let's regroup. Let's go into town, yeah. eat lunch. Let's uh, download an app. Andrew had a drone. <laughs> yeah. They're like, maybe we can find the damn thing with a drone uh, if he's dead, you know. Um, but we need to download an app. So we went into town, had some great barbecue at Tucker's. Yeah, we did. I guess that that's a tradition great. around here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which... The funny thing, Lindell called and was like, it was pretty busy. Yeah. We walk in, we got a table, and there's an iced tea sitting Waiting on the for table. him. Like, he's the <laughs> king of the castle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's been here before. Mm. They walk in, everybody says, oh, hi, Lindell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we, we have some good barbecue, head back to the ranch, and I mean, we kind of split up again. And the, and the drone proved to be... Yeah, I really thought that was going to be the hero of the day saver, but... Man, it's just such a, a low contrast environment in the middle of the day. Everything thick, thick. Brush. Everything just looks gray and dull and right. just hard to spot. <laughs> and hard they're to spot and they're gray. gray yeah, and, yeah. and yeah. man, that brush is thick too. I don't think you could really penetrate no. through with a camera like that. Yeah, but it's pretty cool to get up up there and see all those interwoven game trails out there. Mm-hmm. Man, those things just. Did like, you see any animals? I did. Yeah, there were there were a few cows kind of running around and. Um, just kind of poking their heads here and there, but yeah, it would have been potentially even tougher to spot that thing with the drone. I think, mm-hmm. yeah, being on foot and beating the brush. Well, so the the, the bulls are gray, yeah, and almost like to have this dark blue, like bluish black tint. And that's why they're nicknamed blue devils. Cows are brown, ish tan. They're not the same color. Mm-mm. No, they're different. The young bulls are also tannish. It's easy uh-huh. to tell. The big black bulls, you can almost spot them. Right. You know, quarter of a mile away. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't take long to learn what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. It's pretty interesting. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, well, so the three of us split up. He's uh, Andrew's flying the drone. And what what was the rationale between it? you two guys went in a totally different re- direction, but in a direction that didn't, you know, back up what the blood trail said, essentially. Right. Well, I guess you know, what I, from my perspective, what I was trying to do is we were trying to basically grid – so I just set an azimuth on my watch, and then I was trying to grid in a certain zone out a certain distance, then come back, do it again, and just almost zigzagging your way through the country. And my thought process there is that, okay, well, we know he's gone in this general direction, maybe. Uh-huh. Um, so I was just trying to piece it together a little bit, and I think, you know, Lendl kind of took well, We had a, already, like, followed the blood. Like, yeah, yeah. The four of us had fanned out right. and yeah. basically gridded the direction that the blood trail was going, and, and we cover. A lot of ground, right? Yeah, and just taking it a step further, I think you know, and just moving out to that next zone. And man, it's a big place, so it's it's tough to put that mindset to like, well, we're gonna just keep going, keep going. But and yeah, it gets disheartening. Yeah, certainly yeah. quickly too, mm-hmm. especially when you're the shooter. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, 
And, but literally, you kept saying, you know, where the blood trail is, it's, it's more open. He's like, I think he probably went the other way and went back, it, like circled back and went into this thick brush. We're talking really thick brush. So yeah. we sat yeah. thicket, and it's so thick in there that even if you when you see them, all you do is just see the from the knees down. You know, they're just super thick in there, and they feel comfortable in there, and they are. We, we never go in after them. Yeah, and yeah. they can, you know, they can trot off sixty yards and be hit. If you're out in the open, you'll see them running. We saw some run probably over a mile. You know, when they're out in the open, they're just going to run and run till they get to the wee sats. So that's their natural. That's their natural de defense is to hit those wee sets. So that just made sense that that's where he was going to go. Yeah. Well, and and also want to add at this point, Wendell has called his tracking dog guy. Yes. He's a Corpus Christi three hours away. He's like, I can't come. I've gotten on Texas blood trackers and I've called three different guys. Yes. Uh, they didn't answer the phone. Your guy recommended another guy who I actually, when when I saw the name Trace Aguilar's, I was like, I know that guy. I follow him on Instagram. He's, you know, great South Texas hunting page hunts no guy and stuff and he had hunters in camp and was like man i just can't i just can't do it i got hunters here and mm -hmm. you know i understand so we were kind of screwed on that front like no one's gonna come help us no nope, we can't get own. a dog in here if it wasn't gonna get done we, we, we didn't need ourselves. one because we had the best blood tracking dog <laughs> right here at our well, that's right i think that's andrews <laughs> <laughs> no andrew never he, left the truck he's well, he, at this point yeah, andrew is like yeah, yeah. he showed his true up. colors as a photographer that's, he's like exactly eh, right. it sucks but, you know up. i'm gonna sit at the truck now everything that's plays right. i mean everything worked out i mean everything absolutely yes absolutely. It, was, it was total team effort um, yes and and i was actually just so the three of us took off i was the first one back to the truck you know 30 minutes later kevin comes back he's like how far did you walk and i was like uh Made a big like six hundred yard circle, and he's looking on on X, and he's like, "Damn, I walked like two and two point nine miles." <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> Just he had to take his shirt off. He's sweating so much. Yeah, that's brutal. And uh, and then we're like, we've kind of lost hope at this point. To be honest, with you. the morale was at an all time low. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. Uh, between the three of us, we're like, "Well, where's Lindell?" No, I don't know. Should we? I, should we call him? Hey, I mean. Do you have a heart attack? What's going on? <laughs> and uh, you text me. You said, at which, so I knew you were okay. You are like, any luck? Nope. Okay, so we sat there for another hour. Andrew, what, about another hour? Yeah, I mean, I think we were definitely in the truck for at least three hours. And and Andrew's yeah. finally, he's just honking on the horn. He's like, maybe he's lost. He's just honking yeah, on the yeah. Lost on his own. Well, <laughs> and, snake uh, country out there too, man. Oh, yeah. You never know if somebody's out there snake bit. It's Lindell's first time out here, so we, you know. Yeah. <laughs> What's well, a lost? What's <laughs> lost? So we're sitting at the truck, mm -hmm. and like what, around 5 o'clock, 4.30. Well, it's probably 4.30. And mind you, this thing got shot at 8.04. 4.30, we hear rifle blast. And it's not far from us. No. I mean, it is pretty close. Kind of ducked, actually. Close. Yeah. <laughs> and nothing. I, you know, try to call Lindell. Nothing. He didn't answer. The service is pretty spotty out there. Then it was like five minutes later, another rifle blast. And then I got the text, got him. Yeah. I said, you know, Lindell just, he just rescued victory out of the jaws of defeat. <laughs> <laughs> but so how did you, how did you find the damn thing? All luck. It's no, just... it wasn't luck. You've been doing it 30 years. No, basically we just, when I was just got back in the heavy brush. Uh-huh. And happened to be in the right trail, just jumped him up the first time. And once he jumped up, I could tell he was hurt. 
So now I just after that, I'm just watching legs because he's in the wee sets, which you were crawling around in, Kevin. Yes, sir. <laughs> it's so thick that you can literally see 30 yards in front of you. Yeah, Is there photographic elbows, evidence Kevin? of him crawling on his hands and knees? I'd love to see <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, it was and something, man. Some great first light propaganda. Really. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> this is how hard to work. Community manager is. <laughs> yeah. I think this went on for, it seemed like hours, but it was probably 30 minutes. Uh-huh. And I knew where I was at, and I knew I, where I needed to push him. So I was just kept trying to push him and push him and push him. And I did finally lock out and push him in the open where I could get a shot at him. This so happens the first shot didn't get him because I kind of rushed it. Is that the one that hit him in the neck? The second shot. <clears throat> okay, so yeah. the first shot hit him. I mean – there was a lot of blood from the first shot. That was probably my knife, the first shot. Oh, you talking about your shot? No, no. When we got to the – so you shot twice. So did you not hit him the first time? No, I didn't hit him the first time. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is – all right, this is where I, in the moment, didn't understand what yeah. exactly happened. I thought yeah. he hit him with both shots. No, just the one, huh? Yeah. yeah. So, the, so then the second shot, a couple minutes later, hit him in the neck, put him down, and then you finished him off with your knife. That's true, you know. Okay, so and that's why there's a there's a, a hole in the heart that I'm going to eat later. <laughs> <laughs> a cut, a cut. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's right. a little puncture wound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we went from riding this wave, and I, you know, and this is this is hunting is. Oh man, we've all been there too. It's we've all been there. And I was already on a downer because my turkey season was the worst yeah, one I've ever had. You like know, a terrible like, turkey season. I hate. Oh, and this morning, this is the best part. <clears throat> this morning, we drive. We're driving up to to camp. And there's a freaking gobbler in the tree. And we just stop the truck and just look at him. And we say something. Just go. Just Every off. time, you know, you shut the door or whatever. We looked at him for probably 30 seconds, videoed him, photographed him. And it was just like, that's just. That's the way typ- it goes, though. How typical yeah. is that? So we went from this epic low to Lindell using 30 years of experience yeah. hunting these things. Because it, and it also helps to. Be hunting with someone who knows the lay of the land. Yeah, is so familiar with this with this property that he can probably predict where the animal is going to go. Mm-hmm. He's been there and done that. Like you said, Lindell, these things are so hard to kill. I don't know how many wounded bulls you've tracked, but it's it's probably it, it probably happens more often than not. No, it, every time a bull's hit, it's almost it's always involved some tracking. Very seldom is it just like he's right there. It just doesn't happen that way. Every time one's hit, I just get a little bit of a butterflies in my stomach <laughs> till we till we get my hands on him because it's like everybody's excited, but mm, I don't know, not yet, right. not till we get a hold Adventure. of him. Yeah, yeah, it's always scary. Well, high fives might have been a hug. I don't know, <laughs> uh, but you know, the wave of emotions went from despair to elation, just like that. It had nothing to do with me, and, and it, although it was, we all put in a lot of effort. It was, I mean, literally, it was Lindell that that did the work, finished the bull off, and mm. you know, um, I always want to be transparent about stuff like like this. And when people say hunt with Lindell, he's the best. I think today that was validated. We're going to go home with meat. You're going to take some nil guy back to Idaho. Yeah, you're going to take some to Denver. I'm going to take. A buttload of it back to my house, <laughs> That's right. and none of that would have happened if if you're just hunting with some schmo that just kind of was like, eh, whatever right. you shot him, maybe we'll find him, maybe we won't. Yeah, I think that is the the telling um, tale of a good guy to somebody who can push the envelope into the 
the wee hours of the evening and makes it happen. You know, there's there's no quit at all today. I think that's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, everyone give uh, their social media outlets. Lindell, if you want to start with yours so people can find you, they want to book a hunt with you and, and have an experience like this. I'm not saying that you're going to bird dog their, their animal for eight hours, but, you know, you could. <laughs> We're going to do what it takes to try to get it, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So where can folks find you? Well, my website, LLHunt.com. Uh-huh. And uh, Facebook, I got LLL Hunting Service on Facebook and Instagram, LLL Hunt. Perfect. Kevin? Let's see. First Light, we'll First Light Hunting, Instagram. And then my personal is at Kevin Harlander. Check us out. Give me a shout. Let's go hunting. Slide into those DMs. That's right. Slide into those DMs. <laughs> yeah, so mine's just Andrew Miller Studio on Instagram, Facebook, and then andrewmillerstudio.com. And what it, where's everyone's next big adventure? Let's uh let's end with that. Kevin? Well, let's see. What do we got coming up? Turkey season's over. We got some bear hunts left in Idaho. Been kicking my butt at eight thousand feet. It's kind of a kind of a crazy thing to come back down to like hundred and thirty feet above sea level. It's been kind of nice. So we'll be bear hunting and then we'll get into some trout fishing this summer in Idaho and then we really start gearing up for early season mule deer and uh archery elk in Idaho and Oregon. So a awesome. lot of cool things on the horizon. And, 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 uh, you know, this guy, Andrew, I mean, he's a lot of cool stuff, rafting, oh, yeah. fly fishing, these companies pay him to come take pictures. I think he spends half the time just fishing. You know? That's right. <laughs> that's that's, that's awesome. exactly right. Yeah. I mean, I've been on the road for the last three out of the last four weeks. So I'm kind of looking forward to getting back and doing some Denver stuff and just kind of doing some Colorado things. We're going to have good, good high water year this year for rafting and our rivers are going to be quite a bit more full than they were last year for for fishing this so looking looking forward to doing that but yeah i'm gonna actually be able to make my way up to idaho uh next month to do some a week's worth of fishing so how what was the dollar value of the camera equipment that was floating down the river last week <laughs> yeah i uh i was out in california you can, you can plug yeti here too i mean it's, no, I, yeah, I love it's it testament you know. to the gear yeah yeah i was out in california on the south fork of the american river and um i was in a boat that <laughs> that flipped in a rapid called Satan's cesspool. Perfect. And, yeah, <laughs> my awesome. uh, I just run my my camera gear in one of those Panga backpacks. Uh-huh. Um, everything I do is around Satan's water, cesspool. dust, and so those things are pretty bomb proof. And I had that thing just cam strapped onto the frame of this boat, and it flipped and swam a couple rapids and came out unscathed. So it was definitely a pucker pucker factor moment watching that yeah watching that boat upside down knowing yeah. that all my gear was attached that's, well, that's why we got nil guy gripping grins today oh yeah because that yeti probably yeah. thank god Save thank god gear. for that that's backpack. Right. and lindell what's next for you some some r&r some relaxation yeah i hope to pick up a few more nail guy hunts but my i'll be in clayton new mexico probably september chasing the pronghorn nice awesome awesome well guys it's been a, a heck of a a heck of a trip I look forward to the next time we're on camp together. Yes, sir. Appreciate you having us. This yeah, has been great. That was a lot of fun, guys. Glad you could make it. So there you have it. The recap of our very recent, I mean, hell, last week, recent Nilgai hunt down in the lower Rio Grande Valley in deep south Texas. Um, man, that was a that was a trip that I will not soon forget. No doubt about it. <laughs> And that segment, by the way, proudly brought to you by Pulsar Night Vision and Thermal Imaging Technology. I just got my hands on the new Axion. Literally showed up yesterday in the mail. 
This monocular is a game changer. It's as compact of a high-end monocular as you're going to find without the price tag. Obviously, it's a great tool for finding hogs and coyotes under the cover of darkness, but it's also one of the things I use it for or have used monoculars for is for scouting and not blowing animals out as you're making your way to your stand in the morning. Uh, check it out. You can find the Axion as well as all of Pulsar's other great thermal units right there at PulsarNV.com. Use that promo code LONESTAR and you'll get 20% off your entire order plus free shipping. Up next, I'm going to pull the curtain back a little bit on how I am able to facilitate a lot of these hunts, like the Nilgai hunt, for example. Uh, I think maybe uh, I haven't ever, I've never really talked about it. We'll do that next on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Are you tired of waking up at 2 a.m. to fight public land skybusters? Cable here for Three Crow Outfitters and their new North Texas Duck Club, which consists of over 3,000 acres and 40 water bodies throughout Ellis and Navarro counties. Three Crow does the planting, provides metal blinds, decoys, and posts a weekly scouting report. All you and your buddies do is reserve the property you want and show up to hunt. This opportunity is limited to 10 four-person memberships, so for the waterfowling experience of your lifetime, go to 3curl.com or call 214-641-8097 today. Howdy folks, I'm Lee Hoffair for Hoffair's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffair's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. Pike County, Illinois, and the surrounding area is hallowed ground for whitetail hunters. And with 21 years' experience, Golden Triangle Whitetails is the oldest outfitter in the state. Spread out over 14,000 acres, they have 350 acres of food plots, 500 tree stands, and over 80 box blinds. The guides take pride in having hunters harvest giant Midwest bucks. Golden Triangle Whitetail hunts the Illinois archery, shotgun, and muzzleloader season. They have a full-time chef and excellent lodging. Book your whitetail hunt of a lifetime by going to www.goldentrianglewhitetail.com today. There's a little curveball for you. Dire Straits Money for Nothing bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoors show. I like to rock out, man. That's, uh, that's the sounds of my youth. I tell you what, long before I really got into real country music, I was heavily influenced by the music my dad listened to, which was classic rock. Of course, there was uh, Waylon and Willie, but as a kid, I was like, man, this is too slow or too sad for me. Uh, obviously, things have changed, but still... That's one of my favorite guitar licks of all time. I'm Cable Smith. Thank you so much for being here, by the way. It is great to be here with you on the Lone Star Outdoors show. Truly a pleasure. We've got an interesting topic to get into, or at least someone told me it was interesting recently, so I figured I'd shed some light on that topic coming up here in just a second. First, however, this segment brought to you by the new Vortex Razor HD 4000 rangefinder. You talk about some of the specs on here, like... Deer detection range of 1,600 yards. I mean, that's insane. Of course, it's got a lot of other incredible features as well. And Vortex's top-notch lifetime transferable warranty. You break it, they fix it. No questions asked. You can find it at vortexoptics.com. All right. Well, so what I want to get into now is just kind of shedding some light on the behind-the-scenes nature of 
this show and how I'm able to call hunting a job. See, Aaron's a nurse practitioner, and I do this for a living, so we will never be rich enough to like go to Africa, say, uh, three years in a row. I mean, that would just be crazy. I'd be looking at my kids like, sorry, I just spent your college tuition on a couple trips to Africa. <laughs> how selfish would that be, right? Um, but the show affords me the opportunity to trade out a lot of hunting opportunities with outfitters and guides all over the globe. And, uh, and so I've been very fortunate to be able to do that. And generally speaking, works out well for both parties. Um, I get to get this great content and have these experiences and they get the publicity and referrals of having me come hunting with them. So I think there was a misconception that, you know, there's some trust funds. I mean, like, how does, how do I afford to go do these things? Um, and so that's kind of how a lot of it works out. Sometimes they want to trade out something else, like uh, the Nilgai hunt, for example. I think Lindell gets twenty nine fifty for his bulls. And I was like, man, I, I really want to harvest the Nilgai, but I don't, you know, I'm not going to spend $3,000. Um, and so we're trying to get this all worked out and get first light down there and get some great photography of first light in the South Texas brush, something they don't have a lot of. Um, so I was like, well, Lindell, I just, you know, I can't, I'm, I'm not going to spend the money. Uh, and I got to thinking, well, what about this nine uh, millimeter I've got sitting in the gun safe that I've never shot? STI was a sponsor of the show. They make great handguns. And over the years, they sent me probably six or seven pistols. And this 1911 was worth about like 2,500 bucks. So I, uh, I made a sweet trade with Lindell. He got the pistol and I got the nil guy. <laughs> and like I said, a win-win. Um, a lot of the trips, more local stuff, guides just invite me to come hog hunting and expect or don't really they don't even expect they just ask hey maybe i could could i get a social media post about your experience of course a lot of times we'll have them on the show anyway um so that is the, the really the nature of the beast when it comes to uh, financing a lot of a lot of these trips obviously i'm also blessed to have sponsors that do financially support the show because you can't run a business off of guns and bullets and bows and pop-up blinds uh, all that stuff is nice and I'm, I'm lucky to be able to have those things but at the end of the day you still got to eat and pay the bills uh, and you got to keep the show on the air so you can't trade everything out uh, but after I shot the nil guy bull and we couldn't find it you know after six seven hours I'm kind of looking at my rifle and my scope and wondering if Lindell would be interested in either one of those in hopes that I could at least shoot a cow uh, and have some meat to take home, you know, because, um, the, the pistol deal was done. I drew blood and now I'm like, okay. now I don't have a pistol nor a nil guy. <laughs> so that's kind of what, that's where my mental state was at that point. Uh, just so dejected. Like, I wonder if what Lindell would just take this rifle and, but only after I was able to, you know, take a cow, um, because the bull, I mean, that ship had sailed. But anyway, uh, I don't know how other shows, do their business that's how i've always done mine and it's worked out well for myself and uh the outfitter in most cases hell i know lindell's already had a couple inquiries on uh, pricing for new guy hunts so uh, hopefully it's a win-win it generally turns out that way and uh that was the case obviously on this trip so 
uh, good times. Glad that it worked out for uh, for all parties. And I'm pretty sure you'll see some of the photos that Andrew took of that experience uh, being released by First Light coming up in the near future. So I look forward to that as well because uh, Andrew's certainly a maestro behind the lens. Uh, thanks to Andrew Miller as well as Kevin Harlander and Linda Laxton, our uh, three guests today. Thanks to you guys and gals for being here. We are flat out of time. Got to go. Got to get out of here. Uh, we'll do it again, same time, same place, next week. Until then, thanks to all of our sponsors. Thanks to you guys and gals. I'm Cable Smith saying y'all have a great week in the outdoors. On the road again.